Welcome to the Defining Leaders podcast. Defining Leaders was founded by the idea that together is better. We started as a virtual community that worked together to help develop and lift each other up, helping to boost one another's careers and make work a better place to be. We wanted to grow that community, so we decided to bring it here. I'm your host, Kristen Gupta, the connector of people. And this is Defining Leaders, where together is better. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this week's Defining Leaders discussion. Our topic today is continuing the conversation on leadership excellence. And I was telling our Defining Leaders group that meets virtually today how important this topic is to me to the point where I was super nervous before this session got started, because I really think if this is something that we master, we automatically change the world of work. We make it so that people actually want to show up. So I was nervous because I think it's so important that we master this and that we really make it a point to allow people to thrive. So our topic today is fostering a culture where people thrive. We had a great session. We have so many attendees for our podcast today, so I quickly want to introduce them. Today, we have Cassie Adashina. We have Jonathan Heider. Sarah Deacon, Sarah Marshall, Ben Zhang, Rob Vogel, Earl Smith, and Sarah Vogt. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Very much looking forward to the discussion on fostering a culture where people thrive. What was something that you got out of the conversation so far? Something that's really important that you think people master when it comes to this topic? Any thoughts? Go ahead, Ben. I think the biggest thing that that struck me is in every feedback group, communication was always highlighted. And how it was highlighted is where the differences went, where there were differences. And I think for our group, we looked at how to find a like and common approach to a problem was really how a leader facilitated that. And then the authenticity was also a big part of that. And that authenticity built trust. So a big component of fostering this culture, as you talked about, Ben, is ensuring that you have communication with your people. And it's a two-way street, right? It's not just you talking at them. It's both ways, correct? Absolutely. Jonathan, what are your thoughts on this topic? I think one thing that was brought up and super important when it came to the communication was having kind of uh, an open environment overall, as opposed to having, say, an inner circle kind of group, an outer circle kind of group, kind of this clicky kind of format, where if you're not part of that group, you are unable to thrive. And that's definitely hindering towards people if they are not part of that inner circle, that they never feel like they're going to advance, they're never going to thrive within the company, or even thrive within themselves. Jonathan, you make a great point. So often this is something that subconsciously happens is we have our inner core and then we have our external people. And we don't even realize because we feel so good about the leadership style for our inner core that we don't even realize when we're cutting people out of that and therefore getting disengaged people as well. So thank you for sharing. I love that. Ensuring that it's reaching everyone instead of reaching one. Cassie. 
Yeah, a lot of really great ideas covered today, um, two of which were like, it starts with the leader and, you know, like Ben was saying, like it has to be authentic. And one of the things that I feel privileged and really appreciate about the company that I work for is that they found ways to systematize this culture that allows people to thrive. And I think that's so important that you don't just have ideas and then you know, do a one-on-one one time, or, you know, you have an authentic conversation with somebody one time. It's that you have to really create systems, not just for the leader, but then for your other leaders and then for your groups of people, right? So um, I'd be happy to to share some of the tools. I'll, I'll let other people speak too, but, but one of the biggest tools is uh, that we've implemented has been EOS, Entrepreneur's Operating System. That's really been a great foundation and guide to systematizing this culture that for us has resulted in engagement and people that enjoy coming to work every day. One thing that I think you guys found that we've had discussions on in the past, Cassie, is you needed an external person to come in and help you with that implementation, because what that allowed you to do was get rid of some of your internal bias or your internal thought processes of this is how we've always done things too. And we've talked about how important that piece was isn't this true when it comes to leading our people as well? So often we have our own blinders on that we're not allowing our people to thrive and we don't even realize it. So many of these things are happening that are unconscious. And I love EOS as well. I highly recommend it. Whether you're a big company or a small company, so many of the practices can be implemented as well. Sarah, how about you? Well, I could go off of what anyone who's already spoken was saying one of the the structural pieces that I found really effective is the check-in. And like Cassie is saying, like systematizing you, Kristen, systematizing it, making it consistent where the ideas and and feedback that's brought up during a check-in, and it could be just a five-minute pre-shift, like touch base kind of thing, that the ideas are, are heard, listened to, and acknowledged whether they can be implemented or not, it it gives you the the pulse of your team when you just implement this, like, hey, how are you? What are you thinking of for your goals today? What, where are you, what are you bringing in with you? Like, because sometimes people have, you know, family drama or issues that they're carrying with them and they just might need a little steam release. So there's so many ways that this check-in can come into play. I think that's one of the most powerful tools that I've experienced. And then the other, a couple of the other pieces that we discussed were things like looking to the newer, like less senior members, that outer circle, as you were saying, to, to be open to these new ideas, the outsider's perspective, even if it's an insider from the company that they're maybe newer or coming in with these fresh eyes. And then again, with the structure, there's there's freedom if it's communicated effectively, that you have these boundaries in place where it's explicitly stated like, hey, here is the goal. Here are your parameters. Now go and do your thing. We trust your expertise. We trust your experience. So just all of those things then come into play and build that trust and that empowerment that allows people to feel connected to the company's culture and mission and feel like a valuable part of moving that forward. 
Sarah, some really great points in what you just shared. And we actually took a poll in the beginning of our virtual session today. And in that poll, we asked people what it means to thrive. We got a lot of different answers, but for the most part, those answers boil down to a couple of components. One of those components is I feel like I make a difference. I feel like I have value within my company. And if I don't have value, then what's the point? Why am I even doing this? Why am I working? And this is disconnect. This is getting checked out of work when you don't feel like you're providing value. In order to allow that, we need to, as you said, Sarah, listen to our people, create a culture where we have ideas brought up, where people are self-motivated, but we point them in certain directions and we give them the goals, but let them figure out how to get there not just give them only the map to get there, right? And so many of those components were discussed, but you have to know what does it mean to thrive? And so often it's not just making a ton of money. It means you're valued for what you do. So thank you for bringing that up. For those of you that are listening in on the podcast today, think about that. Think about when you have really felt you've thrived at work. Have you thrived because you made the most money or have you thrived because you felt like You were making a difference, like you were building your legacy. And if not, how can you change it? Not expect the world around you to change. Earl, how about you? All all those things are very good, what we just talked about earlier. But I think one component that we have to put in there is that intentional. It must be intentional. It cannot be, you know, it's good to have an EOS system. But if you're not intentional about using it and, and implementing it, then it's all going to be wasted. And sometimes intentional means you must actually drag people kicking and screaming to the table. You must say to them, okay, people, we have this problem and we're going to build a new system. And I want you, 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 you here. I want to hear from you how the system doesn't work for you and all works for you and how we can make it better. You have to be intentional. It is really important. So often people will step back and nod. I call them the nodders. They go, <laughs> for those you of you that can't see, he's just sitting here nodding. You know, you know, bobble, the the, uh, the uh, bobbleheads that you get at the at the Brewers games, and it's like the build the uh, building's burning down. <laughs> you know, but you got you really got to give people. You have to be intentional as a manager. Another thing is too, you have to go to them. Some of you have offices that are located in one spot. I had offices located in four spots. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and as manager, you got to be out there and see them. You got to talk to them. You got to put on your work boots and your high he- and your and your hard and your hard hat, and go to the construction site. If that's what the, that's the kind of business you have, or go down to the computer room for those of you that don't like computers, <laughs> or up yes. to the you know what I mean, or up to the front desk where where, where the reception is, where the receptionist is, and sit down with her and say, "Hey, how, how's it going on?" You know, be available. At the same time, though, you don't want you don't want to be too available to the point where people think they can bypass the system yeah. and go to you. And yeah. that's part of being intentional. Yes, I want right. to hear you. But no, I don't want the system to, to have strings to it. You got to use the system. Earl, I love how this pairs with what Cassie said about having like 
an intentional system around it that you use and that everybody uses. And a lot of times in order to get that system going, in order to get it off the ground, change management is needed. And no matter what, any changes that you try to implement, you're going to get pushed back. You're going to get people that don't want it. My company just implemented Salesforce to make our lives easier. Right now, it's not making our lives easier because we're starting to use the system that we've never used before. I'm one of those that fights it all the time, right? But they're intentional about this is going to make our lives easier. This has to happen. So what are you doing to make sure that you're implementing an intentional practice around fostering this culture where people can thrive, meaning scheduled one-on-ones or meaning training your managers. How many of our companies fail to train their managers well, especially mid-level, or fail to develop their people? Mm -hmm. It needs to, as you said, Earl, be intentional because if it's not intentional and consistent, like Cassie said, it's not going to happen. Ben, what were you going to say? I think one of the one of the guiding principles for all of these tools is the vision of the company and how are we communicating it? Because if your employees or the inner circle or outer circle or any part of the machine doesn't realize what it's supposed to be doing, what the vision is, I think that aligns the whole organization. I think we're we as leaders get into trouble is either where we ourselves have diverted from the vision or we haven't done a good job explaining that vision to those that are helping us build it. Agree, Ben. If we don't give them a goal, if we don't give our people a direction, then how can they feel like they're finding fulfillment? A lot of times they're going to go and do their own vision then. And if they're doing their own vision, are they checked into yours? So how well are we communicating that? Sarah? I would just say that it it is a system like um, like EOS, like Cassie brought up, um, but it's accompanied by a system of leadership. It's really about leaders. So think about how can your organization create a model of leadership that really clarifies expectations, sets expectations, and reinforces accountability. So a little bit of that blending structure with the leadership by walking around, whether that's physically in person or virtually, and make that sustainable, make that scalable. And this is what HumanWorks does for organizations, right? Is they help come in and they help develop your leaders, but also make this something sustainable, not just one training now, and then it'll work for three weeks and then nobody will use this anymore. But it's really implementing some of these cores into the organization so that you're painting the picture, you're developing that structure, and you're focused on your leaders first. That's what HumanWorks is all about, right, Sarah? Right. Yep. Yeah. None of it, none of it is a one and done. It is all sort of for the long term. Absolutely. Rob Vogel. So Ben kind of touched on it with the vision side of things, but it was reaffirmed in our in our particular group that it's about on a even on a project to project basis, know the why. So the team needs to know the why. You can pull, you can pull all the people you want together, but if they don't know the why, then they are going to they're going to scatter, do their own thing, and then you're never going to actually truly accomplish what you set out for. So you establish that why on a project-to-project basis, and then kind of along the lines of, I'm pretty sure this is what Sarah Deacon had said earlier, you make sure that they have the freedom to know and know when to get out of their way, but keeping them within the fences. So they have some additional parameters, but a lot of freedom to work within that why. 
Absolutely, Rob. I agree with that. And we talked about this several times. It's painting that vision. It's giving them the why behind that vision. It's allowing people to see the path and then they can decide which way they go on that path. Let's stay on the road at the same time. Let's keep it legal for the black and white side of this, but also let's keep this to our core of who we are as well. So great point there. Thank you for sharing. Sarah, how about you? Yeah, just want to make sure you met me. (laughs) Um, So many great things have already been said, and I love so many of the ideas and um, concepts. And just to kind of piggyback off of, um, you know, a couple of them is I think, too, is it's important when keeping the communication going is to absolutely get out there and approach the employee. It shouldn't always be the employee coming to the leader. And one example is previous employer, um, he was one of my most favorite leaders I like to work for because his philosophy was always, he would always say to me, Sarah, I'm staying out of your way. I'm going to stay out of your way. You know where, what your parameters are until you bring me in. So you need to bring me in when you feel, you know, you need my help or you feel there's a roadblock or an obstacle that maybe you need some help to get through. But that staying out of your way philosophy to me really empowered me to bring that expertise to the table. Um, And I knew then he was trusting me to do what I needed to do to fulfill my role. And um, that was just one of things that resonated with me is hearing everybody talking is, you know, staying out of the way and then having that fresh perspective and allowing employees to share, you know, what they need to say, but also going to them. There's two such important components to what you just said, Sarah, is it stepping outside of the lane so you can allow someone else to go, but letting them know I'm here for you for anything you need at the same time, because how often do our leaders think that stepping out of the way means being unavailable, which in the end is worse than doing it themselves. So that's such an important component. Okay. We have time for three more. So Cassie, then Jonathan, and then Sarah Marshall, go ahead, Cassie. So quickly, just on that point, there is also a system to evaluate that I learned through a training. It's called Invest in Your Leaders by Cameron Harold, And uh, he created a system or maybe borrowed a system from someone else about like where people are at for that specific job. So, you know, like how much help to give, how much help to get, how much help to ask for. So anyone check that out, Invest in Your Leaders, Cameron Harold. And then the other thing that I was thinking about was when you did the poll at the beginning, one of the other topics that came up was growth. When people feel like they're growing, they're thriving. And another idea that we've implemented at our firm um, has been a quarterly book discussion. So again, systematizing the ideas and really just having everyone grow at the same pace, creating discussion, creating growth within the company and as individuals has been a really cool way for, for us to grow as a team. And you can implement that. Somebody else in my small group said that he did it with, you know, just his management team. You can implement it company-wide. We have a team of 17, so it's a little bit easier for us than somebody with, you know, 500 or 1,000 employees. But a lot of the ideas that, that Kristen has talked about came from a lot of those books because they've really been impactful in my own life. So just wanted to share that as well. Well, I have to thank Cassie's company because one Christmas 
two years ago, I believe, we did some plannings of some of our defining leaders events. And she gave me like a stack of books that was like, you probably still have 14 of your books, Cassie. Uh, and a lot of our topics are centered around what some of the learnings are from those books. So another implementation is that continuous learning. And even if you're a large company, Husco actually does this. And it's one of the reasons why they're one of my favorite clients to work with is they have in their HR department, an opportunity to join their book club where they're reading a book a month and they're discussing that. And it's not required, but it's so popular that almost all of their members are a part of that as well. So I love that continuous learning as a group as well. So Jonathan, what were you going to say? I just want to touch on something that was brought up a little bit about that hands-off approach with uh, bosses. I think Part of that is understanding the boundaries of the positions, you know, with someone above you. It's the opposite of the micromanaging and the importance of knowing that what your job is and what their job is, but also being there to catch you if you fall. Like, hey, you know, I will give you the space, but if you need something from me or you're struggling, like, I got your back kind of thing. And I think that's an excellent thing. And I've had that in the past and it's been super helpful. And just like I said, it's the opposite of micromanaging. It allows people to have that thrive, have that growth, um, to move within the company, but also move within as an as a person to say, hey, they trust me enough that I can make these kind of changes or implement these kind of strategies that I know are successful myself. Absolutely. I agree, Jonathan. Sarah? We really believe in uh, the freedom to do things your own way. So I know that theme has come up a couple of times, but to do that, we follow the Colby methodology, the Colby system. So I can really do something my own unique way. And the way that I'm going to do it is certainly different from the, the others on my team, but I can come to my leader when I need direction. The only, you know, the only difference there is it's not, Hey, what should I do now? This is happening. What should I do? It's, hey, here's what's going on and here's my recommendation or here's what I think we should do. Can you weigh in on that? Can you support me on that? Absolutely. I love that, Sarah. And it has to have a trust relationship in order for that to happen. Because if you don't have trust, you're just going to do it anyway and not go to your leader. If you have too much trust or maybe if you have a leader that's a bit more micromanaging, you're going to ask him, what do you want me to do? So this is a great standing on the sword's edge of how to handle this, right? Of, hey, here's the issue. Here's my potential solution, but I'd like your input because you trust your leader to be able to give input. And you might walk out of that room with a completely different idea as well, which probably often happens, right, Sarah? Yeah, a lot of times it's uh, yes, and, you know, and, and there's just more conversation that really happens in that. Absolutely. Go ahead, Ben. Well, it's not something that we've really talked about, but I also think if you just think about how to create more apples in an apple tree is a great example. Um, there's a pruning that happens too that isn't as popular in today's culture, but I think the best managers know how to prune away what's not working for an individual and really help them focus on what is. Great commercial for next week. Ben, our conversation next week, and for those of you that are podcast listeners, that'll come up in two weeks for you, is on crucial conversations specifically centered around kind versus nice. 
Sometimes as leaders, we can take only the nice approach, meaning I just want people to like me and therefore not give the advice or direction that we need to. In the beginning of our conversation, even before we started the podcast, I mentioned to the group that my word that I try not to start every podcast with is so, and this is something that I'm trying to prune out of my conversations. My sister used to sit in the back of one of my trainings and hold up a piece of paper with the word that I said all the time until I no longer did it. She was being kind, not necessarily nice. Did I like it when she would hold that up? Well, absolutely not. But it was very good for me to get that input and that feedback so that I wouldn't say that word anymore and sound stupid. So that can be the case with our people as well. And sometimes allowing them to thrive means pruning off the pieces and helping them to refine themselves to be better leaders as well. It means helping our people to grow. Sometimes that means pruning our plants, right? Great conversations. Thank you so much for tuning in to our listeners. And again, thank you for our co-hosts today, Ben Zing, Cassie Adashina, Jonathan Heider, Sarah Deacon, Sarah Marshall, Rob Vogel, Earl Smith, and Sarah Vogt. Great conversation. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care. Thank you for joining us for Defining Leaders, where together is better. Become a part of our community where you can find out more about defining yourself as a leader. The link to join is in the show notes.